The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, you magical people out there, and welcome to Harry Potter Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Oh, I love it. Here it is, this 10th episode, and I still love when you call yourself a witch. (laughs) Well, that's what I do. I witch for a living. You are my witchy woman. In today's episode, we are going to discuss chapter 10. Halloween. Yay. In this chapter, Malfoy wanted to see Harry and Ron expelled and is very shocked to see them still in school. What does this suggest about Malfoy's character? I think this is really telling and actually really alarming. I think it's common for middle school children not to get along sometimes, sure. But here we're seeing this boy, this 11-year-old boy, scheming to not only break school rules and lie, but plotting to get two of his classmates expelled from his school to get them into trouble. This kind of behavior is very manipulative and if continues might actually lead to some sociopathic tendencies. Malfoy doesn't seem to have much empathy here, much concern for other people or the way that his behavior might affect others. So this suggests a really big concern for kids like Draco Malfoy who might have no concern for other people and might stoop so low that they would potentially risk harming those other children or getting them kicked out of the school or out of the program. He didn't even show up to the midnight duel. He did it all just to get them in trouble. I think he's a very conniving little cuss. I think it goes beyond conniving. I think he's malicious. In this chapter, Hermione was the only student in Flitwick's class who was able to perform the Wingardium Leviosa spell. The wizard's most rudimentary skills is levitation, or the ability to make objects fly. Uh, Do you all have your feathers? Good. Now, uh, don't forget the nice wrist movement we've been practicing. The swish and flick. Everyone? The swish and flick. Good. Oh, and enunciate. Wingardium Leviosa. Off you go then. Wingardium Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to take someone's eye out. 
Besides, you're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. You do it, then, if you're so clever. Go on, go on. Wingardium Leviosa. Oh, well done. See here, everyone. This great has done it. <laughs> Splendid. Wingardium Leviosa. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Oh, you'd know better than me because you're the witchy woman. <laughs> She's the only one that can perform the spell. When she tries to correct Ron's incantation, Ron dares her to do it, only to have her earn the praise of Flitwick. Ron then insults Hermione, and she overhears it. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> she's a nightmare, honestly. No wonder she hasn't got any friends. I think she heard you. Why do you think Ron was acting this way, and what may be going on with Hermione? I think for Ron, he might feel the pressure of being a child of having so many other Weasleys go to the school before him. He mentioned this to Harry on the train, that there's a lot of pressure where people expect him to perform as well as his other brothers. And I imagine him being the youngest of all the boys in his family and from a pure blood family and from a magical family. I imagine he wanted to show off a little bit. He wanted to be good at something. He wanted to stand out and be recognized. And then here's Hermione who shows him off. She critiques him, which is probably embarrassing to him because his brothers already make fun of him at home. When he dares her, then she actually outperforms him. So I imagine that for Ron, there's a lot of bitterness and resentment and probably some jealousy in terms of wanting to get the attention from the teacher, perhaps wanting to do a good job, wanting to stand out instead of just hiding in the shadows of his brothers and probably being envious of Hermione. For Hermione, I imagine that she might be feeling that she has to prove herself, right? She is a muggle-born and probably somebody that's always excelled. She's a daughter of two dentists. She's probably an overachiever in general. And I imagine that for her to do well really means that she is able to fit in. I think that she's trying really, really hard to prove her worthiness in this school. For people of all ages, we might experience something called the imposter syndrome. I call it the fraud syndrome. So fraud syndrome is where we might believe that we might not belong somewhere, that we maybe got into some kind of a school or a program by accident, and that if people found out that we don't actually belong, that we get kicked out, we'd lose this opportunity. And I'm wondering if for Hermione, there is a fear of not fitting in and maybe fear of failure and perhaps that is why she's trying so hard some of the subsequent books that we're reading do support this idea and i think that for her receiving a teacher's praise helps to reinforce this idea that she belongs in the magical world but being made fun of by ron i imagine is probably making her feel a lot more alone and excluded than she already feels for her being a muggle-born and being the only one in class to be able to perform that spell, that's pretty freaking awesome if you ask me. She's incredible. As we can see in even the first book, 
that one's heritage doesn't really matter. It is their attention to their school tasks and sometimes their innate talents as we see with Harry's flying, for example, and their practice time that actually helped to improve their magical skills. So although the boys were not fond of Hermione at the beginning, once the mountain troll is loose... In the dungeon! Turn around in the dungeon! Thought you ought to know. They lock it in the bathroom, and unfortunately Hermione's in there when they do, and they rush in to save the day. I think the trolls left the dungeon. Let's go into the girls' bathroom. this is probably not what Draco would have done. Why did they risk their lives for her at this point? I think that we see the true Gryffindors here. We see their Gryffindor qualities. I think for both Harry and Ron, they're able to empathize with another person. They're able to see that Hermione's in trouble and she needs help. And they would rather get injured or worse than to allow their classmate to get hurt. At this point, I think there was probably no time for them to run and get the teacher. So they decide to take action. Like a lot of kids, especially at that age, Ron and Harry are quite impulsive. But in this situation, they're impulsive for the reason of being brave, for for wanting to protect their classmate's life. I think that it's very heroic and honorable what they did, and it's also within their development. Harry is somebody that, even though the Dursleys never taught him right from wrong, he's someone that has learned it himself by seeing the kind of behavior in the Dursleys that he did not want to emulate and then doing the opposite. And for Ron, being raised with the Weasleys, I think he has always been taught and modeled to protect others and and to do the right thing. So it's not surprising that the two jumped in to try to help Hermione. I imagine they feel a little responsible too, because obviously Ron's insults caused her to go into the girls' bathroom anyway, and then they locked the troll in there with her. So I imagine they were like, oh crap. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And also, somebody like Draco, as you were mentioning, probably would have ran 
either ran away altogether or ran to get a teacher, but they decide to take action. They run in and actually attack the troll. Well, after they defeat the troll and Professor McGonagall comes in and Snape and Quirrell. Ah! Oh my goodness. Explain yourselves, both of you. What it is, it's my fault, Professor McGonagall. Miss Granger. I went looking for the troll. I read about them and thought I could handle it. But I was wrong. If Harry and Ron hadn't come and found me, I'd probably be dead. Be that as it may, it was an extremely foolish thing to do. I would have expected more rational behaviour on your part, and I'm very disappointed in you, Miss Granger. Five points will be taken from Gryffindor for your serious lack of judgment. As for you two gentlemen, well, I just hope you realise how fortunate you are. Not many first-year students could take on a fully-grown mountain troll and live to tell the tale. Five points will be awarded to each of you. For sheer dumb luck. Hermione, who is this very studious and very honest student, lies. Why? I think that, again, this is where we're starting to see Hermione's Gryffindor side coming out that she took a chance in rather than following the school rules and and being honest, she lied to protect her friends. I think that Hermione, for the first time, is starting to recognize what it means to have a friend and that sometimes friendship is more important than following a law or a rule. And this situation really bonds the kids together. After this, they are the inseparable trio of friends that go on many adventures together. What are the mechanisms that helped to solidify this friendship? In psychology, we talk about different kinds of phenomena, such as the cave robbers dilemma. Basically, when people are asked to work together against either a common enemy or to solve a particular puzzle in order to be able to win together or survive, in order to work cooperatively to survive, it brings them closer together and it can actually form a friendship. People who might experience a near-death experience together, such as fighting a mountain troll, for example, (laughs) or being in some kind of an accident together and helping one another to survive, to get through it, are likely to form friendships and other kinds of relationships because these kind of experiences can help us to bond on a deeper level than other levels of communication can. And so having this near-death experience where Harry, Ron, and Hermione were helping each other to defeat the troll and also to not get in too much trouble with the teachers creates this kind of a situation where in looking out for one another, they quickly learn to trust each other. And as the book says, you can't fight off a mountain troll without becoming lifelong friends. Yeah, no doubt. Would Um, you fight a mountain troll with me? I would fight a world of trolls with you. In the last chapter, we see that Harry is a natural flyer. And as a reward for this, McGonagall lets him know that they need a seeker on the Quidditch team. And this is actually the first time that we learn the rules of Quidditch in this chapter, which is very interesting. 
what I want to discuss is that Harry receives the broom from one of the teachers. He, he gets a Nimbus 2000 from Professor McGonagall. Even though this is something that is amazing for the story and everything and, you know, fills you with that warmth, is it demonstrating a little bit of favoritism? It might. And at the same time, I'm just kind of reflecting that if I was a teacher and there was a student that came from a really poor family and had been abused and suddenly realized that he or she was or they were really good at something and needed a uniform, for example, in order to be on the team, I would like to think that either myself or other people would go out of their way to support that person because they haven't really had something like this, this level of support in their entire life. So having somebody like a teacher, a mentor believe in them can really go a long way. And although, yes, there might be some policies against providing certain gifts for certain students, I also think that sometimes rules are not to be followed exactly. I think sometimes humanity needs to come first before the rules. And there's so many heroic teachers out there that spend a good portion of their salary either providing meals for school children or buying them toiletries or... Or basic utensils or, and things that they need in class like supplies. Exactly, exactly. And I think that sometimes having this level of kindness and support for a student that previously hadn't had anything can go a really long way in letting that student know that somebody loves them and cares about them. And like she said in her letter, you know, don't tell anybody because everybody will want one. But ultimately, Harry does deserve this in demonstrating what he's capable of doing and what he has been through. I'd like to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. If you would like to know more about Harry Potter Therapy, you can check out Dr. Janina Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. Thank you for joining us, and have a magical day, everybody.